Hi guys, because I still not have book 1, The Lightning Thief, I'll continue reading The Sea of Monsters, Chapter 5. I get a new cabin mate. So let's find out who is a new cabin mate in this episode. Enjoy! Okay. Chapter 5, I get a new cabin mate. Ever come home and found your room messed up? Like some helpful person? Hi, mom, has tried to clean it, and suddenly you can't find anything. And even if nothing is missing, you get that creepy feeling like somebody's been looking through your private stuff and dusting everything with lemon furniture polish? That's kind of the way I felt seeing Camp Haplot again. On the surface, things didn't look all that different. The big house was still there with its blue gabled roof and its wraparound porch. The strawberry fields still baked in the sun. The same white column brick buildings were scattered around the valley. The amphitheater, the combat arena, the dining pavilion overlooking Long Island Sound, and nestled between the woods and the creek were the same cabins, a crazy assortment of 12 buildings each representing a different Olympian god. But there was an air of danger now. You could tell something was wrong. Instead of playing volleyball in the sandpit, counselors and satyrs were stocking weapons in the tool shed. Dryads armed with bows and arrows talked nervously at the edge of the woods. The forest looked sickly. The grass in the meadow was pale yellow, and the fire marks on Hablet Hill stood out like ugly scars. Somebody had messed with my favorite place in the world, and I was not, well, a happy camper. As we made our way to the big house, I recognized a lot of kids from last summer. Nobody stopped to talk. Nobody said, welcome back. Some did double takes when they saw Tyson, but most just walked grimly past and carried on with their duties. Running messages, talking swords to sharpen, on the riding wheels, the camp felt like a military school, and believe me, I know. I've been kicked out of a couple. None of that mattered to Tyson. He was absolutely fascinated by everything he saw. What's that? He gasped. The stables for Pegasi, I said, the winged horses. What's that? Um, those are the toilets. What's that? The cabins are the campers. If they don't know who your Olympian parent is, they put you in the Hermes cabin, the brown one over there, until you're determined. Then, once they know, they put you in your dad or mom's group. He looked at me in awe. You have a cabin? Number three, I pointed to a low gray building made of sea stone. You live with friends in the cabin? No, no, just me. I didn't feel, feel like explaining the embarrassing truth, I was the only one who stayed in that cabin because I wasn't supposed to be alive. The big tree gods, Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades, had made a pact after World War II not to have any more children with mortals. They were more powerful than regular haplets. We were too unpredictable. When we got mad, we tended to cause problems. Like World War II, for instance, the big tree pact had only been broken twice. Once when Zeus sired Talia, 
once with Poseidon sired me. Either, neither of us should have been born. Talia had gotten herself turned into a pine tree when she was twelve. Me? Well, I was doing my best not to follow her example, but I had nightmares about what Poseidon might turn me into if I were in the verge of death. Plankton, maybe, or a floating patch of kelp. When we got to the big house, we found Chiron in his apartment, listening to his favorite 1960s lounge music while he packed his saddlebags. I guess I should mention, Chiron is a centaur. From the waist up, he looks like a regular middle-aged guy with curly brown hair and a scraggly beard. From the waist down, he's a white stallion. He can pass for a human by compacting his lower half into a magic wheelchair. In fact, he passed himself off as my Latin teacher during my sixth grade year. But most of the time, if the ceilings are high enough, he prefers to hang out in full center form. As soon as we saw him, Tyson froze. Pony! he cried in total rapture. Kyron turned, looking offended. I beg your pardon? Annabeth ran up and hugged him. Kyron, what's happening? You're not leaving. Her voice was shaky. Kyron was like a second father to her. Kyron ruffled her hair and gave her a kindly smile. Hello, child. And Percy, my goodness, you've grown over the year. I swallowed. Flora said you were, you were fired. Kyron's eyes glinted with dark humor. Oh, uh, well, someone had to take the blame. Lord Zeus was the most upset. That tree he created from the spirit of his daughter poisoned. Mrs. D had to punish someone. Besides himself, you mean, I growled. Just the thought of the camp director, Mr. D, made me angry. But this is crazy, Annabeth cried. Kyra, you couldn't have anything to do with poisoning Talia's tree. Nevertheless, some in Olympus do not trust me now under the circumstances. What circumstances? I asked. Karen's face darkened. He stuffed a Latin English dictionary into his saddlebag while Frank Sinatra music oozed from his boombox. Tyson was still staring at Tyson in amazement. Tyson was still staring at Karen in amazement. He whimpered like he wanted to pat Tyron's flank but I was afraid to come closer. Pony? Kyron sniffled. My dear young Cyclops, I am a centaur. Kyron, I said. What about the tree? What happened? He shook his head sadly. The poison news on Tali's pine is something from the underworld, Percy. Some venom even I have never seen. It must have come from my monster, quite deep in the pit of Cyclops. Then we know who's responsible. Pro, do not invoke the Titan Lord's name, Percy. Especially not here. Not now. But last summer he tried to cause a civil war in Olympus. This had to be his idea. He get most to do it. That traitor, perhaps, but I fear I'm being held responsible because I did not prevent it and I cannot cure it. The tree has only a few weeks of life left unless, unless what? Annabeth said, asked. No, Kyron said, a foolish thought. The whole valley is feeling the shock of the poison. The magical forest are deteriorating. The camp itself is dying. Only one source of magic would be strong enough to reverse the poison, and it was lost. 
centuries ago. What is it? I asked. But you have to find it. Kyron closed his saddlebag. He pressed his stop bot to his boom box. Then he turned and rested his hand on my shoulder, looking me straight in the eyes. Percy, you must promise me that you will not act rashly. I told your mother I did not want you to come here. Oh, all this summer, it's much too dangerous. But now that you are here, stay here, train hard, learn to fight, but do not leave. Why? I asked. I want to do something. I can't just let the borders fail. The whole camp will be overrun by monsters, Kyron said. Yes, I fear so, but you must not let yourself be baited into hasty action. This could be a trap of the Titan Lord. Remember last summer, he almost took your life. It was true, but still, I want to help so badly. I also wanted to make Kronos pay. I mean, you think the Titan Lord would have learned his lesson eons ago when he was overthrown by the gods? You think getting chopped into a million pieces and cast into the darkest part of the underworld would give him a subtle clue that nobody wanted him around, but no! Because he was immortal, he was still alive down there in Third Towers, suffering in eternal pain, hungering to return and take revenge on Olympus. He couldn't act on his own, but he was great at twisting the minds of mortals, and even gods to do his dirty work. The poisoning had to be his doing. Who else would be so low to, as to attack Tally's tree? The only thing left of a hero who had given her life to save her friends. Annabelle was trying hard not to cry. Karen brushed a tear from her cheek. Stay with Percy, child, she told her. Keep him safe. The prophecy. Remember it. I, I will. Um, I said. Would this be the super dangerous prophecy that has me in it? But the gods have forbidden you to tell me about? Nobody answered. Right, just checking. Cairo and Annabeth said, You told me the gods hate your morals only so long as you are needed to train heroes if they dismiss you from camp. Swear you will do your best to keep us from danger. He insisted. Swear upon the river Styx. I, I swear it upon the river Styx, Annabeth said. Thunder rumbled outside. Very well, Karen said. He seemed to relax, just a little. Perhaps my name will be clear and I shall return. Until then, I go to visit my wild kinsmen in the Everglades. It's possible they know of some cure for the poison tree that I have forgotten. In any event, I will stay in exile until the matter is resolved, one way or another. Annabeth stifled a sob. Karen patted her shoulder awkwardly. There, now, child, I must entrust your safety to Mr. D and the new activities director. We must hope, well, perhaps they won't destroy the camp quickly as I fear. Who is this Tantalus guy anyway? I demanded. Where does he get off? Taking your job. A conch horn blew across the valley. I hadn't realized how late it was. It was time for the campers to assemble for dinner. Go, Kyron said. You wouldn't be timid of pavilion. pavilion. I'll contact your mother, Percy, and let her know you're safe. No doubt she'll be worried by now. Just remember my warning. You are in grave danger. Do not think for a moment that the Titan Lord has forgotten you. With that, he clapped out of the apartment. And down the hall, Tyson calling after him. 
Pony, don't go! I realized I'd forgotten to tell Kyron about my dream of Grover. Now it was too late. The best teacher I'd ever have was gone, maybe for good. Tyson started bawling almost as bad as Annabeth. I tried to tell them things would be okay, but I didn't believe it. The sun was setting behind the dining pavilion as the campers came up from their cabins. We stood in the shadow of a marble column and watched them file in. Annabeth was still pretty shaken up, but she promised she'd talk to us later. Then she went off to join her siblings from the Tina cabin, a dozen boys and girls with blonde hair and great eyes like hers. Annabeth wasn't the oldest, but she'd been at camp more summers than just any, just about anybody. You could tell that by looking at her camp necklace. One bead for every summer, Annabeth had six. No one questioned her right to lead the line. Next came Clarice, leading Darius cannon. She had one arm in a sling and a nasty looking gash on her cheek. She otherwise, her encounter with a bronze bowl didn't seem to have faced her. Someone had taped a piece of paper to her back that said, You moo, girl! But nobody in her cabin was bothering to tell her about it. After Darius kids came out the hypothesis cabin, six guys led by Charles Backendrop, a big 15-year-old African-American kid, he had hands the size of catcher's mitts and face that was hard and squinty from looking into a blacksmith's force all day. He was nice enough once you got to know him, but no one ever called him Charlie or Chuck or Charles. Most just called him Backendorf. Rumor was he could make anything. Give him a chunk of metal and he could create a razor-sharp sword or a botic warrior or a singing bird bath for your grandmother's garden, whatever you wanted. The other cabins filled in. Demeter, Apollo, Aphrodite, Dionysus, Nyads came up from the canoe lake. Dryads melted out of the trees. From the meadow came a dozen satyrs who reminded me painfully of Grover. I'd always had a soft spot for the satyrs. When they were at camp, they had to do all kinds of odd jobs for Mr. D, the director, but their most important work was out in the real world. They were the camp seekers. They went undercover into schools all over the world looking for potential haplets and escorting them back to camp. That's how I met Grover. He had been the first one to recognize I was a demigod. After the satyrs filled in to dinner, Thermy's cabin brought up the rear. They were always the biggest cabin last summer. It had been led by Luke, the guy who'd fought with Tolly and Annabeth on top of Haplet Hill. For a while, before Poseidon had claimed me, I lodged into the Hermes cabin. Luke had befriended me, and then he'd tried to kill me. Now the Hermes cabin was led by Travis and Con Connor Stahl. They weren't twins, so they, but they looked so much alike. It didn't matter. It could never I could never even remember which one was older. They were both tall and skinny with mops of brown hair that hung in their eyes. There were orange Camp Hapla t-shirts untucked over baggy shorts. And they had those elfish features 
polar mosquitoes had. Upturned eyebrows, sarcastic smiles, a gleam in their eyes whenever they look at you. Like they were about to drop a firecracker down your short shirt. I'd always thought it was funny that the god of thieves would have kids with the last name Stahl. The, but the only time I mentioned it to Travis Connor, they both stared at me blankly like they didn't get the joke. As soon as the last campers had filled in, I led Tyson into the middle of the pavilion. Conversations faltered, heads turned. Who invited that? Somebody at the pollock table murmured. I glared in their direction, but I couldn't figure out who'd spoken. From the head of the table, a familiar voice rolled. Well, if it isn't Peter Johnson, my millennium is complete. I gritted my teeth. Percy Jackson, sir. Mr. D sipped his Diet Coke. Yes, Will, are the you young people these days say these days? Whatever. He was wearing his usual leopard pattern Hawaiian shirt, walking shorts, and tennis shoes with black socks. With his pudgy belly and his bulgy red face, he looked like a Las Vegas tourist who'd stayed up too late in the casinos. Behind him, a nervous-looking sailor was peeling the skins of the grapes and hanging them to Mr. D's one at a time. Mr. D's real name is Cynosius, the god of wine. Zeus appointed him director of Camp Half-Blood to dry out for a hundred years as a punishment for chasing some, some off-limits witness. Next to him were Chiron usually sat or stood in center form with someone I'd never seen before. A pale, horribly thin man in the treadbare orange prisoner's jumper, the number over his pocket read 0001. He had a blue shadows under his eyes, dirty fingernails, and the badly cut gray hair, like his last haircut had been done with a weed whacker. He stared at me. His eyes made me nervous. He looked fractured, angry, and frustrated, frustrated and hungry all at the same time. This boy, Dinosaurus told him, you need to watch Poseidon's child, you know. Ah, the prisoner said, that one. His tone made it obvious that he and the nauseous had already discussed me at length. I am Tantalus, the prisoner said, smiling coldly. On special assignments here until well until my lord Dinosaurus decides otherwise. And you, Perseus Jackson, I do expect to refrain from causing any more trouble. Trouble? I demanded. Dinosaurus snapped his fingers. A newspaper appeared in the table, the front page of the day's New York Post. There was my yearbook picture from Meriwether Prep. It was hard for me to make out the headline, but I had a pretty good guess what it said. Something like, 13-year-old lunatic torches gymnasium? Yes, trouble, Pinalo said with satisfaction. You caused plenty of it last summer, I understand. I was too mad to speak. Like it was my fault the gods had almost got into a civil war. A sail inch forward nervously set a place of plate of barbecue in front of Tantalus, the new activity director, lick his lips. The look at his empty goblet and said, Root beer bark special sock nineteen sixty seven. 
The glass filled itself with foamy soda. Pentalus stretched out his hand hesitantly, as if he were afraid the goblet was hot. Go on then, old fellow, the nauseous said, a strange part sparkle in his eyes. Perhaps now it will work. Pentalus grabbed for the glass, but it scooted away before he could touch it. A few drops of fruit there spilled, until Tyus tried to dab them with his fingers, but the drops rolled away like quicksilver before he could touch them. He growled and turned toward a plate of barbecue to pick the fork and try to stab a piece of brisket. But the plate skidded down the table and flew off the end straight into the coals of the glacier. Blast! Tantalus mouthed. Ah well, the nausea said, his voice dripping with false sympathy. Perhaps a few more days will leave me, old chap. Looking at this camp will be torture enough. I'm sure your old curse will fade eventually. Eventually, muttered Talus, staring at the nauseous side coat. Do you have any idea how dry Mozart gets after 3,000 years? You are that spirit from the fields of punishment, I said. The one who stands in the lake with a fruit tree hanging over you, but you can't either drink. Talus sneered at me. You're a real scholar, aren't you, boy? You must have done something really horrible when it were, you were alive, I said, mildly impressed. What was it? Tantalus' eyes narrowed him. Behind him, the sailors were shaking their heads fiercely, trying to warn me. I'll be watching you, Percy Jackson, Tantalus said. I don't want any problems at camp, at my camp. Your camp has problems already, sir. Oh, go sit down, Johnson. They nod aside. I believe that table over there is yours, the one where no one else ever wants to sit. My face was burning, but I knew better than to talk back. Dinosaurus was an overgrown brat, but he was an immoral, super powerful, overgrown brat. I said, Come on, Tyson. Oh no, Tantala said. The monster stays here. We must decide what to do with it. Him, I snapped. His name is Tyson. A new activist director raised an eyebrow. Tyson saved the camp, I said, as he pounded those bronze bolts, otherwise they would have burned down this whole place. Yes, Santala sighed, and it was a pity that would have been Dinosaurus stickered. Leave us, Titus, Santala ordered, while we decide this creature's fate. Tyson looked at me with fear in his big one one big eye, but I knew I couldn't disobey a direct order from the camp directors. Not openly, anyway. I'll be right over there, big guy, I promise. Don't worry, we'll find you a good place to sneak tonight. Tyson nodded. I believe you. You are my friend. Which made me feel a lot more guiltier. I trudged over to the Poseidon table and slumped into the bench. A wood nymph brought me a plate of Olympian olive and pepperoni pizza, but I wasn't hungry. I've been almost killed twice today. I matched and my school year with a complete disaster, and Camp Hapblood was in serious trouble, and Kaina told me not to do anything about it. I didn't feel very thankful, but I took my dinner as it was customary up to the bronze brazier and scraped part of it into the flames. Poseidon, I murmured, accept my offering and send me some help while you're at it. I prayed silently, please. The smoke from the burning pizza changed into something fragrant. 
a smell of a clean sea breeze with wildflowers mixed in, but I had no idea if that meant my father was really listening. I went back to my seat. I didn't think things could get much worse. But then Tantalus and one of the satyrs slowed the conjurer to get our attention for our announcement. Yes, well, Tantalus said, once the talking had died down, another fine wheel or so, I am told, as he spoke, he inched his hand toward his reptile dinner plate, as the meaning of food would notice what he was doing. But it did. It shot away down the table as soon as he got within six inches. And here, my first day of authority, he continued, I'd like to say what a pleasant form of punishment it is to be here. Over the course of the summer, I hope to torture and uh, interact with each and every one of your children. You all look good enough to eat. Dinosaurs clapped politely, leading to somehow parted applause from the sayers. Tyson was still standing at the head table, looking uncomfortable. But every time he tried to scoot out of the limelight, Tantalus pulled him back. And now for some changes. Tantalus gave the campers a quick smile. We are reinstituting the chariot races. Murmuring broke out on all the tables. Excitement, fear, disbelief. Now I know. Tantalus continued, raising his voice, that these races were discontinued some years ago due to uh, technical problems. Three deaths and 26 mutilations. Someone at the toilet table called, yes, yes, but I know you will all join me in welcoming to return this camp tradition. Golden Lords will go to the winning charioteers each month. Team may register in the morning. The first race will be held in three days' time. You, we will release you from most of your regular activities to prepare your chariots and use your horses. Oh, and did I mention the victorious team's cabin will have no chores for the month in which if they win? An explosion of excitement conversation. No KP for a whole month. No stable cleaning. Was he serious? Then the last person I expect to object did so. But sir, Clarice said. She looked nervous, but she stood up to speak from the table. Some of the campers snickered when they saw the you little girl sign on their back. What about patrol duty? I mean, if we drop everything to ready our chariots, Ah, hero of the day, Tantalus exclaimed. Brave Clarice single-handedly bested the bronze bulls. Clarice blinked and blushed. Um, I didn't, and modest too, not to worry, my dear. This is a summer camp. We ought to enjoy ourselves, yes, but a tree. And now, Tantalus said, as several of Clarice's cabin mates pulled her back into her seat. Before we proceed to the campfire and sing along, one slight housekeeping issue. Percy Jackson and Annabeth Chase had seen fit for some reason to bring his hair. Then Tyler's wave a hand toward Tyson. Uneasily murmuring spread among the campers. A lot of sideways look at me. I want to kill Tantalus. 
Now, of course, he said Cyclops had a reputation for being bloodthirsty monsters with a very small brain capacity. Under normal circumstances, I would release this fist into the woods and have you hunted down with torches and pointed sticks. But who knows? Perhaps the Cyclops is not as horrible as most of its brethren. Until it proves worthy of destruction, we need to a place to keep it. I've thought about the stables, but that will make the horses nervous. Hermes Cabin, possibly? Simon at the Hermes stable. Travis Gondersor developed a sudden interest in a tablecloth. I couldn't blame them. The Hermes Cabin always full to bursting. There was no way they could take in a six-foot tree cyclops. Come on, now, Pentalus chitted. The monster may be able to do with a mechanical chore. Any suggestions as to where such beasts should be kenneled? Suddenly, everybody gasped. Pentalus stood away from Tyson in surprise. All I could do was stare in disbelief at the brilliant green light that was about to change my life, a dazzling hieroglyphic image that had appeared above Tyson's head. With a sickling twist in my stomach, I remembered what Annabeth had said about the Cyclops. They are the children of nature, spirits, and gods. Well, one god in particular, usually. Swirling over Tyson was a glowing green trident, the same symbol that had appeared above me the day Poseidon had claimed me as his son. There was a moment of awe silence. Being claimed was a rare event. Some campers waited in vain. It for it in their whole lives. When I've been claimed by Poseidon last summer, everyone had reverently knelt, but now they followed Tyus' head leaped, and Tyus roared with laughter. Well, I think we know where to put the beast now. By the gods, I can see the family resemblance. Everybody laughed, except Annabeth and a few of my other friends. Tyson didn't seem to notice. He was too mystified trying to swat the glowing trident that was now fading over his head. He was too innocent to understand how much they were making fun of him, how cruel people were. But I got it. I had a new cabin mate. I had a monster for a half-brother. Testing, testing. Oh, this thing's, is this thing's on? Oh, it's on. Hi, guys. Or should I say goodbye, guys? Because this episode is nearing its end. Okay, let's get to the point. When I first read the chapter, I was disappointed because the hero Percy Jackson had a monster for a half-brother. And I always thought the cabin of Poseidon as the coolest, but it changes everything having a monster sleeping there. So, after that, I decided to stop reading it. And I almost stopped reading the whole Percy Jackson and the Olympian series, but I mustered courage to read it again, and when I read it, I loved it. And I couldn't stop reading it. So guys, this is the end of the episode. Oh, and by the way, I also have a page in Facebook. The title is The Young Reader. Feel free to check it out. Bye!